Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey Dave. Yeah Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're watching the news here in 2022, it is very hard not to feel like absolutely everything has hit rock bottom. However, as they say, you can be the change. The one thing you can change is yourself. And that is why by heading to British-Boxers.com, you can buy an array of excellently comfy underwear, casual wear and PJs to make sure your derriere is very unrock-like in any way. I mean, you know, unless you want it to be through like years and years of hench squats and stuff like that. And then in which case, you can at least put your slab butt in nice pants because, hey, it probably needs a rest with your hectic workout schedule and watching the news at the same time. British boxers are ethical pioneers of affordable luxury and also will not remotely judge or indeed ask for the granite quality of your rear when you order. Even better, if when you're at checkout you use the code PARPOLBRO, then you'll get a sweet 15% off whatever you buy. British-boxers.com because you may as well sit comfortably on your rubble bubble while watching absolutely everything else collapse. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that survives a heatwave by being hella cool. Sorry, I mean by already being hosted by a melt. I'm Tina Duyeb and this week, as the only person left at number 10, Chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster, Kit Malthouse, aka Shit Brickhouse, looking like a punched fleshlight, declares that the government were prepared for the heatwave and we just can't all expect things to run like they do in the midwinter. I think he's doing himself and the government down, as actually, in midwinter as well, travel is disrupted, schools are closed and hospitals are overrun, so if anything, they've overachieved. Things are heating up. Not in the Tory leadership election, where the candidates are so cold and dead inside, it will never get higher than minus four degrees at best. No, I mean in the UK, which is currently experiencing record-breaking high temperatures. Yeah, the spirit of Roy Castle would be chuffed and possibly also on fire. The Met Office has issued its first ever red warning because, yes, the political bias in this country is absurd. Next, they'll be tweeting about chaos with Ed Miliband and launching a leadership campaign slogan. Luckily, the UK government are, um... Where are they? Has anyone seen them? Have they evaporated? I mean, we can only hope, except they've mostly been missing since last week. Somehow still Prime Minister and fetid lump of Stilton left out in this heatwave, Boris Johnson, announced during Prime Minister's questions last week that it was probably his last one, even though, um, 
there's this week's PMQs to do. Look, I mean, we all hate handing over to a newbie when you just want to take your box of donor-paid-for fancy takeaways and gold-leaf wallpaper out of the office and put two fingers up at the old job, but it's kind of tricky to do that when you're leader of the country. I would say it was clear that Johnson had just given up trying, but we could have said that at any point in his career and it would have been true then too. I mean, for example, during PMQs, he gave Labour leader and dry-brushed electrical cabinet Keir Starmer a new nickname that didn't even feel like he'd tried to come up with anything imaginative, which, again, we could have said at any point during his career. Yeah, I mean, you get it by now. Captain Crasheroony Snoozefest, that was the name, which is the sort of title you'd give someone who was bullying you if you were a thick six-year-old who'd just wet themselves. And yet, that's what Johnson blustered out before insisting he was proud of everything he'd done, even though that's only really let 200,000 people die unnecessarily and then shag a hairdresser, allegedly, and that he'd be leaving with his head held high, so presumably carried out by an ambulance team after his leaving party goes too hard. It's not just the Prime Minister though. Home Secretary and only person who'd put on the one ring and become less selfish, Pretty Patel, didn't bother turning up to a Home Office Affairs Committee meeting because she said of recent changes in government. Has anything really changed though when you have an ineffective Prime Minister who can't do anything? Isn't that like at any point in it? Yeah, look, it's the same joke again, but what else is there? Come on. Pictures showed Patel happily drinking at a party the night before, so that's probably the real reason she didn't attend. I do think, though, if she can't be bothered to go to an arranged meeting with officials and present evidence for why she should be doing what she's doing, then, I mean, she should probably get put in a detention centre just for fairsies. Justice Secretary and the dangers of laminating your own head, Dominic Raab, pulled out of this week's meeting of the Joint Committee of Human Rights, with a spokesperson saying that he'd turn up after summer. Total skiver. And also, I mean, by then, I guess it would have finished, unless it's really really long meeting. The committee said they were extremely disappointed, but were they? I mean, I can't imagine anything better than hearing you don't have to talk to Dominic Raab or look at his face where the skin looks like it's barely clinging on to every crevice. Before he vanished, no doubt to go on holiday, which is his favourite place to be when he's actually needed, Rob popped up on a few of the news shows to give really helpful advice about the heatwave, such as, everyone should just go out and enjoy the sunshine. Is it his hope that much of the country will listen to him and frazzle themselves out of existence, or is it that for lizard people, 40 degrees heat is pretty comfortable? I wouldn't mind this endless bravado about terrible situations claiming that they're nothing to worry about if the politicians like Rob who said them were then made to endure them. A sort of Bear Grylls-style show where MPs are thrown onto an island full of extreme dangers and then have to constantly reassure everyone there's nothing to worry about. We should be grateful this Komodo dragon wants to eat us. In my day, everyone had leprosy and didn't complain when our faces fell off, so you should just get on with it. We could call it I'm an MP. Leave me here. I fucking deserve it. Instead of doing any government business this weekend, Boris Johnson was too busy at his farewell party at Chequers on the public's expense, and then he didn't bother going to a Cobra meeting at the beginning of the week either. So I suppose it's quite nice to see that there's some consistency in his career. I do hope everyone invited to the Leaving Do only attended for 10 minutes because they felt they had to and could therefore definitely say it was a work event. Also, while the Cobra meeting was on, Johnson was pissing about talking about getting to go in an RAF jet. And when asked why he had time for that and not the meeting on Britain melting, his spokesperson said it's important for the Prime Minister to have first-hand experience of how fighter pilots work. Is it a leaving PM? Is it so that he can sell loads of them to Saudi as soon as he leaves post? Or is it because he'll need one of them to get out of the country once we find out everything he's actually done in the last few years? Somehow, last week, Johnson was allowed to take controls of an RAF typhoon, which seems like a really silly decision considering how he's managed to have some sort of car crash every single day of his premiership so far. Oh, no, wait, hang on. No, actually, I get it now, letting him control a plane when he's completely reckless. I mean, that is a 
That is a brilliant decision. And actually, I applaud whichever wing commander decided it would be okay for him to do that. And let me just say, I'm very, very sad it didn't go to plan. Maybe, maybe next time. But, but thank you on behalf of the country. If you wanted an even bigger sign that Johnson's government just can't be asked anymore, you know, apart from everything they've done since being in power, they blocked Labour's push for a vote of no confidence in them, instead insisting on doing their own one. I mean, nothing is more of a slur to the opposition than not even having faith that they'd have as little confidence in the cabinet as they do themselves. That is, assuming they even turned up to vote on it. I mean, they actually did, and Johnson spent 44 minutes at the beginning bigging himself up before slamming Labour for calling the no confidence vote, even though it was the government that did it. I mean, that very much seems to sum up almost everything that's happened in the Conservatives' rhetoric so far that somehow it's Labour's fault, even though over the last 12 years they've been absolutely nowhere near power. They did actually turn up though and Johnson spent 44 minutes bigging himself up before slamming Labour for calling the no-confidence vote and blaming it on them, even though it was actually the government that did it. So again, it's quite nice to see there's some consistency in his career. In his speech, Boris Johnson said he delivered on every single one of his promises, which is something many women have heard before as he ran out of the door with trousers round his ankles. It is absolutely not true, though, unless Johnson made promises to himself to not do any of his political promises, and in which case then he's right. He accused Starmer of being part of the deep state that's trying to bring down Brexit, which is silly as why would any of the deep state want to hang around with Starmer when he can't even do a work event properly enough to get a fine? And also, the Labour leader said he won't reverse Brexit, so if Johnson is somehow telling the truth, which is entirely unlikely based on his record so far and the fact that it sounds like mad conspiracy shit, Starmer is doing a shit job at that as well. It's really great that in his final time as PM, assuming he's not still there for another six months, which is likely, Johnson went full-on conspiracy idiot, which is not only very worrying, but also a shame that he hasn't donned a tinfoil hat too, as then we wouldn't have to see that fucking mop anymore. Does he really believe Starmer is part of some conspiracy Illuminati crew, despite him very unsuccessfully doing anything so far except watch Johnson destroy his own party? Or is it that after hanging out with KGB agents, getting them to buy him a media room and handing out peerages left, right and centre, that Johnson just assumes everyone else must be doing exactly the same? During Starmer's response to the Prime Minister, Culture Secretary and the reason they have to put a warning about peanuts on packets of peanuts, Nadine Dorries, yelled, you're boring, at the leader of the opposition like a petulant child. The way she did it was exactly like my four-year-old does when I tell her she has to brush her teeth. It's made me realise exactly which portion of the public Dorries represents. Of course, Starmer is boring, as is brushing teeth, and yet Dorries would make me side with either of them against her in the same way I'd side with a shit comedy open spot who should never do stand-up again against a stupid drunk heckler who shouldn't have been allowed out of the house. It's hard to know if it's better not having the demolition crew in force for a while, or worse, because it's now the dregs that remain in charge at Downing Street, like you've handed over controls to the work experience kid and given them the keys to lock up, despite having seen them unable to tie their own shoelaces earlier that day. Now we have Kit Malthouse and current health secretary Steve Barkley, who, look, I still can't remember him even while looking at him, somehow as the team helping us through this heatwave by, well, not really doing anything. Steve Bartley has promised ambulance capacity will be increased, but he hasn't said how as they're already understaffed, so I presume he'll just send a memo round saying they can leave their doors open or attach a trailer or something. The hot weather does do that, though. You know, make everyone not asked to do anything. So I can only assume the heating in Westminster has been broken for years. Tory leadership candidates, former Chancellor and star of the Ice Age films Rishi Sunak and still Foreign Secretary and inspiration for High High in Moana, Liz Truss, showed their readiness to be Prime Minister by dropping out of the last televised candidate debate, causing it to be cancelled. On one hand, exactly what Boris Johnson would have done, but also by pulling out early, they showed they're very different to him. 
I'm glad it was cancelled as frankly it's ridiculous that there are televised debates when the next Tory leader can only be voted for by party members. So all it really does for the rest of us is give us a heads up on how terrified to be about the future. It's like getting to see live dashcam footage of the car you're shoved in the boot of as it careers off a cliff. All the debates so far have been much like watching The Weakest Link but you know where everyone is. They've all been saying that they will be a change from the government that they were part of, supported and defended, but now think was terrible, but also great, depending on which bits they did, that they now definitely want you to know about when you vote for them as leader, except you can't. Then they all attacked each other, saying each other's policies are inadequate and they don't make sense, while also insisting that they'll work together as a team. They're the last group of kids that no one picked to work with, being bundled together for their drama GCSE performance, and you just know the lights will go up on stage, and half of them will have wandered off, and the rest won't know their lines. I mean, it's bizarre that we're meant to trust them to look after us when they've just spent an hour slagging off the people they're supposedly friends with. They all want to restore trust in politics when they could have done that at any point since 2010 by just not lying, and they're all concerned that Britain is at a critical point. Yeah, because you did it. It's like a kidnapper telling a hostage that they're the hero because you're in a tricky situation, and with my leadership, you can escape. Well, we all know that in reality, they'll just tighten the ropes and get kicks out of waterboarding. Where there were 11 candidates, there are now just four for the Tory leadership, until on Wednesday the final two will remain, and God, I wish it was because of a street fight arrest tournament. Pretty Patel decided not to run in the first place, probably because it would have required turning up to things and she wouldn't be able to say it's due to recent changes in government. Former health secretary and tragic eight ball Sajid Javid also dropped out, maybe so he can spend more time learning to live with Covid. Transport Secretary and discarded face mask used by a recently returning 70s rock band, Grant Shapps, dropped out in order to back Rishi because that way he can give him at least three votes. Then new but actually old and confused face, Raymond Chishti, had to drop out because his only supporter was him, which proves sometimes believing in yourself is stupid. In Chishti's open letter explaining his decision, which wasn't really his to make, he said his campaign was a bottom-up one, which is true. He showed everyone he's an arse. The first round of voting then took out inflatable arm-flailing man Jeremy Hunt, as clearly everyone remembered who the fuck he was, and Walter Scheidt, Nadim Zawahi too, which is good, as it would have been tricky for him to say he wanted to return trust to politics, when we all know he just means the place he keeps his money so he doesn't have to pay any tax on it. Then in the second round, thank fuck, the worst ever superhero, Suella Brava Man, was knocked out. She'd launched her campaign saying don't vote for me because of my colour or because I'm a woman, but because I'm the right candidate, which really worked out well for her in the end. As she so labelled herself, Braverman was the only true Brexit candidate in the contest, so I guess she'd have been overjoyed to leave as soon as possible. And then out went excited Apple Tom Tugendhat, who was in the army, if you didn't know from the 12 million times he brought it up. Tugendhat was in the army, Penny Mordaunt was in the navy, or was a navy reservist, or once saw a boat in a book, or wore blue or something, and Liz Truss is all air forced into a power suit. Tugendhat's campaign was all insisting he was a clean start from the government he'd supported as a Tory MP since 2015. How is that a clean start? Or is it because the Conservatives have managed to destroy so much it'd be like starting from scratch and having a shit time all over again? One of his posts featured a picture of Keir Starmer through a sort of Sin City-style filter, which made him look cooler than anything Labour has ever managed so far. In it, Tugendhat claimed Labour would weaken our defence, commit reckless spending and divide the union, so really, Starm would just be continuing the current Conservative Party goals. It basically made it sound like he'd be the ideal Tory leadership candidate instead. No wonder Tugendhat has gone. So now, we have four left. Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss, Kemi Badenoch and Penny, big shit retail manager that you hate energy, Mordant. 
Sunak's currently far in the lead with votes because he's probably bought them. His campaign promised a clean contest, which is what comes from having so much experience with laundering over the years. He made a big deal about not demonising Boris Johnson, which is smart because, let's be fair, the current Prime Minister would be a terrible demon. You'd lay out the pentagram, light all the candles and pledge to sell your soul and he wouldn't even show up as he'd be at the party. Sunak says he has all the plans to fix the economy, so it's really odd that he didn't use any of them as Chancellor. Some of them include tax cuts, which, like all the other candidates and their tax cuts proposals, he hasn't mentioned any details about how they'll actually work. But I'm almost certain he'll just very, very slightly bring down the tax rises he put through and then pretend he's a champion of the people, while hoping you'll never, ever ask why a multimillionaire is so desperate for a job that basically pays him pocket money. Judge me by my actions, not my wealth, said Sunak. OK, so instead of being a law-breaking, money-losing, inadequate, help-giving, charm-devoid billionaire twat who benefited off the global financial crash, we'll just have to consider you a law-breaking, money-losing, inadequate, help-giving, charm-devoid twat who's benefited off the global crash. Sunak has been criticising the other candidates' spending plans, saying they're too expensive and unaffordable, which is probably true. If only he hadn't lost that £11 billion in Covid fraud, and then we could have done them all. Shame. He's promised to scrap hundreds of remaining EU laws and regulations and said he'd provide a big bang 2.0 for the city, which I kind of hope means it'll just get sucked into a black hole and be replaced by magma oceans and primordial ooze that will likely be less damaging to other people and do a ton less cocaine. The former Chancellor said he's always backed Brexit because it was the right thing to do for the country, even when he was warned it could ruin his career. And there really is nothing more rebellious and brave than someone who isn't worried about screwing up his job because he's already on the Sunday Times rich list and his wife is richer than the Queen. Oh, sorry, we have to judge him by his actions. Nothing more rebellious than a man who isn't worried about screwing up his job as he did loads of screw-ups already and still somehow kept it because the Conservatives are the fucking worst and have absolutely no dignity or standards. Liz Truss tried to give her campaign a kick up the arse by giving a speech where she said she was ready to hit the ground running, which is funny as that's kind of how I always imagined her running. Truss has set herself out as an economic heir to the vampire walnut that was Margaret Thatcher, as opposed to her actual heir who was imprisoned for funding a coup in Equatorial Guinea. Still, I'm sure Truss could manage that as well, you know, probably by accident, before claiming it was all her trying to get an amazing trade deal with a guerrilla military faction. Liz Truss has tried to emulate Thatcher by wearing the same clothes as her in many of her photos, so I can only hope that it's not long before she does a speech covered in eggs or dressed in a coffin. Giving her origin story at one of the debates, the Foreign Secretary said her parents were left-wing activists, but she became Tory when at school when she saw her classmates let down by the quality of education, and that was Labour's fault. I mean, the education must have been rotten, as her entire years in school were under a Tory government, and she doesn't seem to have a fucking clue. Or maybe she thought it was great that kids had had a terrible time, because it's very possible none of them liked her, and she's been out for revenge to make their lives even worse since. Kemi Badenoch, who looks like she tries to scab a ciggy off you behind the school sports hall and then use it as evidence to shop you into the teacher, she kicked off her campaign by labelling the toilets at her launch venue distinctly as male and female. It was meant to hammer home her anti-trans stance, but as they were both single occupancy toilets, she just became an idiot who made everyone have to queue to have a wee. Badenoch wants to abolish gender-neutral toilets, but does that mean in her home she has to have one just for women and one for men? I mean, what about restaurants or small establishments with just one loo? Will whoever isn't covered by that have to shit directly outside the door? Does putting a sign on a toilet door really stop people from going in? And if so, can we stop Kemi Badenoch from ever being able to go to the loo by just labelling them as toilets that are just for people who don't jump on a controversy bandwagon for votes from those who have no real values? Still, maybe the country will be overjoyed that while they can't pay their heating bills, they will know exactly which toilet to go into just to use the warm water over winter. 
Considering she's adamantly against self-ID, Badenoch is telling everyone that she's an anti-woke campaigner. I mean, me too, because I always want more sleep and I protest about that to my daughter at 6am most mornings. Isn't that what she means? I do wish someone would actually ask her what the fuck it means. She's blamed the housing crisis on immigration, which I mean is probably fair, as if we hadn't had Brexit, more builders would have been able to come here and work in construction. Britain first have told its members to vote for Badenoch, as apparently, in a complete not-surprise revelation, thousands of their supporters are Tory party members too. Must make Kemi Badenoch so proud that she has the backing of such a nice bunch of people who if they'd seen her on a beach, they'd probably have tried to drown her. Penny Mordaunt was in the lead last week but is now in second place after people googled everything she said and realised it was bollocks. Though to be fair, that should make her Prime Minister material straight away. Suspiciously, and almost certainly not by her rivals, leaked documents revealed that her stance on gender self-identification, because yes, that is all the candidates can talk about, because the only thing that's important on the planet is how awful it would be if we were all confused by pronouns as we got swept away by fire tsunamis. Is it, I hope they develop gills, or he develops gills, now that the entire city is underwater? I mean, we just can't have that sort of thing at all, can we? These documents reveal that Mordaunt's stance on being against self-identification wasn't true, and she was actually for watering down legislation. Yes, but which bathroom can someone go in to get that water penny? Come on, these issues are important to Conservatives, because how do they know which loo to go in to safely clean up after sexually harassing people at work? Mordaunt has also claimed to have experience as a Royal Navy Reserve, but hasn't ever been deployed or received a salary from the Navy, so maybe she thinks reserve experience comes from simply sitting on a bench and waiting. Her campaign is terrible too. One slogan she tweeted was, My whole campaign is built around a team. What does that mean? Does it mean anything? I mean, Mordaunt could have just tweeted, I believe in beliefs. Or, we need to take things back to the future past again for the first time. And it would have made just as much sense. Or maybe it was literal. Is her campaign built around a team and they're now trapped? How do we get them out? Will we need to send divers? And will Elon Musk call someone a paedophile again? Today, Mordaunt tweeted a chart from The Sun that shows she has the same amount of support as a candidate as the none unsure option does. Incredible. I should be leader because I'm as popular as people wishing none of us were here at all. Amazing. The attacks between the candidates started getting more personal once the TV debates began, which is amazing for five people who haven't got a personality. Several of the other candidates have said Mordaunt is woke, and Sunak said she was more socialist than former Labour leader and old man of the sea, Jeremy Corbyn, which only makes sense if he thinks a socialist is someone that attends a lot of shit parties. As well as the leak about Mordaunt, another one showed that Liz Trust charges her Amazon Prime account to taxpayers, though I bet that is because she thinks it's a successful trade deal with Brazil. Rishi Sunak has been blamed for fueling inflation during the pandemic, which, I mean, he did, but he's defended it by saying the pandemic costs should be treated like war debt. The thing is, that doesn't really work as well when you were definitely on the side of Covid. Pictures emerged of Sunak wearing £490 Prada shoes on a visit to a building site because, I mean, of course he did. Tim, that's probably his gardening pair. He also didn't wear a hard hat, and I just want to applaud the site manager who said that was fine, and I'm just so sorry that it didn't work out like you planned, but I know you tried to do it for the country. There wasn't much against Tugendhat, probably on account of how unbelievably boring he is, or against Badenoch, because as the only black candidate, there's no way the highly racist Tory members will vote for her anyway, apart from maybe the Britain First one, which is really confusing. But they'll all be happy she took part so they can pretend they aren't, and will bring it up at all their white parties about how well she did, despite, you know, everything. 
It's this sort of bants that people say cause Sunak and Trust to drop out of the last debate, but I reckon it's actually because they want to be the most anti-woke candidates and so cancelled themselves in order to complain about it for the entire rest of the contest. One more week of this shit and then a whole summer of even more shit until the next Conservative head arsehole is anointed. All candidates have ruled out a general election for at least two years because they believe in democracy and that means we'll be stuck with them for a while, fucking things up but with a different face. I really wish they could all learn from the previous lot and just stop bothering to show up at all and maybe come September we'll never have to hear from any of them again. In other news, Labour leader Keir Starmer has been criticised after filming part of a campaign video at the Holocaust Memorial without mentioning the Holocaust or, well, really anything to do with it. The campaign against anti-Semitism said it was anti-Semitic for him to do that and so you'd expect Starmer to expel himself from the party immediately. Instead, he got all defensive and said he didn't use the Holocaust Memorial for political purposes so I guess it must have just crept up on him while he was filming a video asking people to support Labour. I suppose sometimes important historical places built to remember awful tragedies can just do that, you know? I mean, there you are saying vote for us instead of them and bam, all of a sudden there's the Ground Zero Memorial just sneaking up behind you. Various former members of the campaign against anti-Semitism, including least liked in the Mushroom Kingdom and most well known for working with the BMP and not believing children they were being abused, Margaret Hodge, has now criticised the CAA for always using anti-Semitism to attack Labour. When did they start doing that, Margaret? Was it after you were made an honorary member in 2018 and they passed you the dossier of 200 incidents of anti-Semitism in Labour, most of which the ECHR found weren't actually valid, or indeed from Labour members? Or was it was it after that? Might have been after that, I guess. I mean, if Hodge is saying they dramatically overstated the problem for political reasons, that it should be any second now she has the Labour whip taken away and has to become an independent MP, right? Just any, any second now. Any second now? The Conservatives won a vote of 289 to 202 to replace striking workers with agency workers, which is not only a really shitty move for workers' rights, uh, for people who are demanding better conditions, but also means your train security could be managed by a kid whose previous experience was one week of reception duty three months before. You know when we do need the option of agency staff taking over though? I mean, right now, doesn't seem to be anyone at Westminster except Stephen Barclay, who's barely there to begin with. So, you know, might just be an idea. Former Housing Minister and man who looks like he's been in a heatwave since birth, Michael Gove, has insisted after a number 10 source reportedly called him a snake that he isn't a snake, which is exactly what a snake in disguise would say. He's also been accused of masterminding a sleeper cell to back Kemi Badenoch, which would suit her as she's anti-woke. The plan is then to make sure Rishi Sunak gets in so Gove can snake his way back into government like the snake that he is. I mean, look, this definitely explains a lot of the erratic jaw movements he does after a night out and the fact that he definitely eats mice. I mean, he definitely eats mice. Friends of the Earth won a court case against the government with the High Court ruling that the net zero strategy is unlawful and breaches the Climate Change Act for not actually tackling it in any way. I mean, it is typical of this lot that the only place they've saved energy is when trying to come up with decent policy. And finally, everyone's favourite walking Emperor Palpatine impressionist, the Queen, has awarded the NHS the George Cross for great acts of heroism. What an amazing reward. A tiny, tiny medal that each and every member of the 1.2 million NHS staff could perhaps hold on to for a few seconds after they've taken up precious time sterilising it and in between dealing with a gargantuan backlog due to underfunding. I heard, though, if the NHS staff power it up with all the claps they were given to, it goes extra shiny and then causes potential hazards for patients with eyesight issues. 
Oh my god, it's warm. Uh, this whole episode has taken so long to do because every few minutes I have to close my laptop before it melts through the desk. So I'm sorry if it's a bit all over the place, um, but our flat is somewhere between Mordor and the floor is lava um, at the moment, and I think I'm now permanently attached to my chair. Um, I mean, I knew climate change would be awful, and obviously I'm terrified about it, but holy shit, I had no idea how inconvenient and uncomfortable it would be as well. I was assuming we'd all just go down in a mega fire tornado while at the same time being engulfed by the bath temperature sea. But no, instead it's a slow, awful descent into 400 showers a day, which will, of course, make then climate change worse because of energy use. And, um, you know, there'll be repeated attempts from me at wondering if I can just be any more naked. I'm not naked while recording this, by the way. I wouldn't I wouldn't do that to you. But also to escape the chair I'm currently stuck to, I may may have to cut myself out of my clothes. Um, no, I'm going to keep this happening a bit brief because there's no way your ears want more headphone time this week or it'll just turn your brain into a gloopy hot slush puppy, which sounds awful. I mean, even more awful than a slush puppy, but my God, I could really ruin a slush puppy right now. I mean, drink it, obviously, but also ruin it and wear it as a hat. Uh, Parliament goes on recess this Friday uh, and let's face it, the government aren't going to do anything now because they can't even be asked before it goes on recess. So this podcast is going to take a summer break like normal after next week's episode. Um, so you can look forward to a whole August and a teeny bit of September with your only focus being how many ice lollies it's possible to put on your face before your face becomes unbearably sticky and you're chased around by wasps. Um, but you know, listening to this podcast makes you cool. Yeah, definitely, that is uh, true. So do tell others to tune into it to um, also be cool this summer <clears throat> and uh, why not also do a very cool thing yeah see what I'm going with this and donate to the ko-fi.com forward slash bro so I can buy cold drinks to pour over my head and obviously not near my laptop um, or even better you could join the patreon.com forward slash bro so I could do that all year you know except when it's cold and I won't want cold drinks I'll use it for hot drinks I'm not an idiot alright I'm not I, mean, I am an idiot but I'm not I'm not that sort of idiot also uh, if you could maybe review the podcast on a podcast reviewing place that would be delightful Right, uh, that's it. I'm basically evaporating. So um, have some. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Of this. Look, he's going soon, right? I mean, we're not entirely sure when, but at some point soon, Johnson is going. And I mean, he's already gone in spirit, if not in spirit. So chances are he'll be out of number 10 as soon as you can say holiday paid for by a donor. 
So after six years of having to talk about this utter prick of a man on this here podcast, here are all 202 descriptions I've called him to date. Not including this week's ofs or next week's or however many I still have to fucking think of until he actually pisses off. Some things to note as you listen. Uh, yes, there are some repeating themes, including jumble sales, scarecrows, beanbags and a shit version of Bagpuss. But hey, I had to write one nearly every week for six years. So I think some repetition is allowed. Secondly, I'm reading these from the very earliest to the most recent. So do enjoy how much more vitriolic they get as we unfortunately get to know him better. Um, I also, uh, I was trying to work out what music to put in the backdrop of all these Boris Johnson impressions. Um, and uh, I, I was going to do some sort of hilarious trumpet music and I realised after two minutes that was the worst thing I'd ever heard. So instead I've used jazz, right? And I, I sort of like bebop jazz. And I thought that way, if you like jazz, it will cheer you up while remembering what a prick Johnson is. So you feel sad about him, but then you'll enjoy the jazz. And I thought if you hate jazz, well, then that fits with how absolutely fucking hateable Johnson was and how the fact that his entire sort of prime minister uh, career was basically like someone fell down a flight of stairs with a whole load of instruments. So here is every possible way I could describe the 77th prime minister of the United Kingdom. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson is a love child of a bag of piglets bred with Wurzel Gummidge. He's the love child of an elite scarecrow and a bag of piglets. He's an albino baboon. He's a thatched roof on top of uncooked dough. He's an eaten mess. He's a host body for a mop head. He's an arse-shaped beanbag. Boris Johnson looks like the stuff you find in your jeans pocket after a wash, but with a face. He's mutant belly button fluff. He's a human dust brush. Boris Johnson is the star of 1992 film Beethoven. He's a chicken-hearted, dunderheaded nincompoop. He's an unhinged flump. Hey, who overstuffed the taxidermied llama? Boris Johnson is a cloud pig, a bag of giblets attached to a feather duster, a combination of a bunion and some pissy straw. Boris Johnson is most well known for his role as Sad Sack in the Raggy Dolls children's show. Boris Johnson is the first successful cross of a golden retriever with a large dull thudding sound. Boris Johnson is a condom filled with porridge. He's a lint Frankenstein. He's the love child of Bagpuss and an old jar of lemon curd. He's a shit Bagpuss. He's happy slapped uncooked dough. He's Penny Unwise the Clown. He's an overripe potato. He's a human pillowcase filled with mashed potato. He's an arsplamonge, a walking concussion, a jumble sail in a suit, a soft play area gargoyle. He's what if someone shaved Bungle from Rainbow. Boris Johnson is Marjorie the Trash Heap. He's Forrest Lump. He's a concussed haystack. He's a T-bone steak that someone punched eyes into. He's a water wiggly filled with lard, 4,000 slugs in a trench coat, a punch bag made of overripe plums, a punch bag filled with offal, and what it would look like if they made a CBB show about irritable bowel syndrome. Boris Johnson is the love child of a golden retriever and a lipoma. He's a gerbil taxidermied using gelatine, silage filled dinghy, vitamin deficient space hopper, beef scarecrow, canvas bag full of warm custard creams. Boris Johnson is a potato sack pulled over several bowling balls. He's a donut. He's a vandalised beanbag. He's a whoopee cushion filled with trifle. He's a leaking sandbag, an eroded beach ball. The only man whose DNA test says he's directly related to primordial ooze. Boris Johnson is a dinghy full of meat jelly. He's an utter pudding. He's a tumble dryer filled with bricks. He's an old sleeping bag stuffed with semolina. He's a human balm cake. His eye holes poked into a raw chicken. He's a car crash airbag filled with mince. Boris Johnson is a beanbag stuffed with hay and manure, piping bag pummeled into a suit, a walking dinghy, a bloated spleen with eyes, a sentient portaloo. 
Boris Johnson is an armadillo fighting its way out of a burlap sack, but in a suit. He's a Johnson in all sense of the word. He's a half-shaved honey monster with a head injury. He's a sofa put together all wrong, a human ball pit, a sleeping bag filled with dog food, a cross between bulk from Super Ted and several Crufts rejects. He's a fat canary with toxic burns. Boris Johnson is a posh Chris Griffin, a cocaine pudsy, a cross between a croissant and an absolute arsehole of a man. He's a flesh popcorn maker, a.k.a. Captain Fatberg, a buttock forced through a seaside-facing holeboard, a personification of that road sign that warns you of falling boulders. He's glued together carpet shop scraps, sandbags kicked together by a sad horse, a mashed potato sculpture of a shipwreck. He's a melting Sasquatch, a bleached grimace, a walking pileup. Boris Johnson is like if someone tried to carve a pumpkin using a spoon. He's a semolina sculpture of a landslide, a year-old collapsed sponge, a burlap punch bag and a child's first attempt at clay. Boris Johnson is a walking bonfire heap, the great twatsby. Boris Johnson looks and moves like a stop-motion bread bin filled with sick. He looks like the inside of a barn after someone had an illegal rave in it. Boris, what if you pumped a suit full of wall filler, Johnson? He's a salt grit bin empty apart from an outdated Christmas cracker joke. Boris, oh, that's what happened to Casper Hauser Johnson. Why did someone throw their chips and cheese all over that bollard daddy? Look, there's some sort of pupae living in that torn sofa. Boris Johnson is the child of a Dalmatian pelican and a silage dump wagon. He's the only person who, if he existed at the time, his very being would have disapproved Darwin's theory of evolution. Boris Johnson is a hairy bowser, a morning roll left out in the rain, a porridge backpack of a man, a visual diagram of the methane cycle, a bleached sea anemone, a man who straddles both being tortoise and hare in approach and experience. He's a melancholy yam. He's like if someone left a bag of dead chicks in a tumble dryer. Boris Johnson is a lumbering ball of congealed pith, a dog-chewed horse chestnut, a bulbous sigh. He's what if a traffic island fucked a creme brulee. Boris Johnson is a sinking feeling wrapped up in a self-collapsed lung. He's a man that embraces all definitions of the word lumpen at once. He's a palm husk refilled with bullshit. He's lumped together weather-beaten sheep's wool torn off a barbed wire fence. Boris Johnson is a man who every day looks more and more like he's being consumed by a scribble. He's an upset bag of salad. He's an exploded chicken coop wreckage. He's a teenage boy's bedroom punched into a hessian sack. Boris Johnson is a misused teepee of a man. He's an old folktale about a boy who kept turning into unmixed cement because he told fibs. Boris Johnson looks like what if Beaker from the Muppets had a stupid older brother with a thyroid issue. Boris Johnson is dropped coleslaw on a warm day. He's a sandblasted bag of liposuction. He's like someone forced pushed a loudhaler into a moth-eaten sofa. He's Nanny from Count Duckula. Boris Johnson is a melted grit bin. How did the cat drag that in? It must be knackered. Boris Johnson is the star of 1958 sci-fi horror The Blob. He's what if Orinoco Womble was a cunt. Boris Johnson is a farmyard collision, a lopsided uncooked lasagna. He's, wow, Douglas the Lurpak Butterman has had a tough few years and ha-ha, they put a pig in a burlap sack dress. Boris Johnson is custard thrown at a stained beanbag. He's a giant fart potty pot. He's an overly stuffed turkey. He's evolutionary leftovers. He's Ludo from Labyrinth. Boris Johnson is celebrity icon to fans of paraphilic infantilism. He's scrapings off the side of an old ship. Boris Johnson is what if someone made a snowman out of blowtorch gelignite and stuck children's fancy dress on it. He's a lion's mane fungus growing on a dismembered toe. Boris, what if all the bits people discarded from kebabs were reconstituted into a snowman, Johnson? 
Boris Johnson is a protected wildlife site for whatever it is that lives in old hay that smells like bullshit. Boris Johnson is a toddler's collage of a burning trash pile. He's a jellyfish atop a pile of horse dung. He's man-thing in a chicken suit. He's a St Bernard hide filled with old feta cheese. He's an idol representing the god of thrift heaps. He's an inspiration for unmixed bowls of congealed custard that want to get rich. He's a disappointing fatberg, a hassled wicker basket, political jet sap, a face drawn on a dead Teletubby's stomach, punch bag filled with lard, missing evolutionary link between a hay bale and gastroenteritis. He's mutant belly button fluff. He's the walking aftermath of an 80s action film chase where a car drives through many boxes of live chickens. Boris Johnson is a whippy cushion violently inserted into a chicken Kiev. He's a mouse-bitten broken punch bag. He's the regular guest star of Dr. Pimple Popper. He's the aftermath of an emu meeting a cement mixer. Boris Johnson is like if a trumpet was caught up in tumbleweed. He's like a moth-bitten jumper shoved on top of porridge. He's a deflating space hopper. He's a bin bag full of dog shat on leaves. He's the sound of a trumpet being thrown into a pond but made human. Boris, what if a laundry basket fucked a warthog? Johnson. He's the blob from the film The Blob. He's the leader of the house Harkonnen. He's the reason you can buy extra tall stair gates. He's an abandoned lilo. He's a left-behind imaginary friend that stopped being fun years ago. He's a vacuum-packed mattress that's been attacked by foxes. He's candy floss stuck to a camel's arse. He's what if the Dulux dogs smoked 500 a day. He's Captain Krakenalia. He's what if Dougal from the Magic Roundabout had gout. Boris Johnson is what's left at the end of a day at a coat sale. He's a derelict bungalow made of cheesecake. He's what happens if you put a foam mattress in a tree netting machine. He's a stupid hairy puffin. Boris Johnson is a poached egg in ill-fitting trousers. Boris Johnson is a man who, if he was a building, probably an old shit-filled barn, would be condemned and demolished because it would be widely decided it wasn't in any condition to be of any use for anything. Boris Johnson is an inflatable tent filled with silage. Boris, oh no, all that foam stuffing has landed in that ambergris. Johnson. He's a foam mattress that fell out the back of a van and straight into a quagmire. He's a man who shares 99% of his DNA with a clogged drain. Boris Johnson is like a dog had a go at a jumble sale. He's the only burlap sack that's bad for the planet. He's a man composed of at least 45% soft cheese and the rest is a manifestation of a sinking feeling. He's a hairy flip-top bin. He's like if someone tried to tumble dry a dead yeti. He's a can of sealant that's exploded over a toilet. Boris Johnson is what if Hitler fucked a dead yeti. He's a dead leg but as a whole person. He's like someone threw a kebab into a pile of dirty laundry. Boris Johnson is a cross between a jelly baby and an uncleaned rabbit hutch. And that is the end of this week's Partly Political Broadcast podcast. Um, I hope that cheered up your ears if they haven't already melted off. And if it did and they haven't, please do recommend this show to others who may also need ear cheering in these times where it's just too hot to put earplugs in in case they melt and join to your brain. And then your internal monologue is only ever other people's podcasts, which would be fucking horrendous. Ovs, wait till it gets cooler to recommend this podcast, though, um, if that is a worry. Please, if you can, donate to the Kofi and Patreon and maybe even give the show a nice shiny five-star review on Apple Podcasts or one of them places. Overly warm gratitude to Acast, The Last Skeptic and Cat Day and this will be back next week when the last two Conservative candidates realise the way to show their best side is to go into hiding and both disappear out of public view entirely. Rishi Sunak wins after hiding in a very expensive and very large fridge. Bye! 
week's show is sponsored by Rob Holidays. Go on, you deserve it. Take a luxury, relaxing trip to all of Dominic Rob's favourite destinations, like the middle of the Australian outback with no supplies, inside Mount Etna, or on the planet Venus. Stop complaining about it like a snowflake, slap some Factor 3 on, and enjoy the heat as your skin melts off your face, meaning you'll soon be indistinguishable from most Tory MPs.